the Popcorn Diet, a podcast for those who live on a steady diet of movie theater, popcorn, and other movie snacks like delicious homemade dumplings. Ooh. Ooh, yes. yes. Uh, as, as usual, my name is Rick Williamson, your very best good movie buddy. And joining us this week is a special guest co-host, a returning guest co-host, our other good movie buddy, Jeremy Nakano. Jeremy, how you doing today? I'm doing all right. I'm feeling uh, culturally more accepted. Are you? Are yes. you feeling like, uh, see, I feel like every question I ask on this episode is going to make <laughs> me sound like a thundering racist. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll say it. I'm the token Asian Yes. Uh, in this in this little group here. We wanted to, I wanted to get away from the action movies and, and the, the, the big sort of uh, studio tent poles. And while Crazy Rich Asians certainly is going to make a lot of money, I thought it was a nice change of pace in that it's a, like, a ethnically-centric rom-com. And I thought that that kind of gets away from what we've usually been doing. But, like, again, I'm a straight white American male, so I don't know how much I can add to this conversation other than innocent observations. And I'd like to think that you wouldn't have done this if if I was a thundering racist. So No, absolutely not. So, <laughs> so that being said, like, uh, that's what we saw. We went to two two straight dudes went and saw uh, Asian rom com. It was lovely, and it was fucking lovely. Yeah. It was it was <laughs> it was a really really good time. Yeah, um, it was great. Just like right off the bat, I had a blast. Now, but before we get into the uh, um, the the editorialization of that and talking sure. a little bit more about it, I. Uh, I do have, you know, a scant few Asian friends, but I do have some. Uh, shout outs to good movie buddies, Kevin Kerr and Camry Kerr. Um, old high school buddy, Amanda Carmony's out there somewhere. I think she's in Switzerland now, so shout out to her. Um, but you obviously work right across from me. You've yep. been on the podcast before. Yep. Um, and as it turns out, you have your own crazy rich Asian connection yeah interestingly enough uh when i heard the concept of this film i was reminded that my sister actually has a friend from singapore no less hey uh whose family actually ended up coming over from singapore to america to make a better life for their family overall but as it turns out he himself is a mild celebrity <laughs> and they are filthy rich they own restaurants in the bay area no less oh okay then so there you go it's just stacked with cash um, apparently, I mean, apparently it's enough of a trope to make an entire movie that's just called Crazy Rich Asians. Absolutely. As it turns out, in America, you can find your knight in shining armor. They just tend to have darker skin. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Well, you know what? That's, that's interesting. And we'll talk about rom-coms a little bit because I don't think that the knight in shining armor example should go un, untalked about. Um, but... I did want to start and focus on the, uh, and it's it's hard not to focus on it on the um, the ethnicity aspect of it or the inclusion aspect of it because that's obviously been a huge talking point for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Some of the things that I've seen um, when I'm on uh, the Popcorn Diet's Twitter account at the Popcorn Diet, um, I've seen a lot of um, Asian celebrities who not only participated in stories about this movie, but who were actively pointing out like how important it is to see somebody of your race, of your gender, of your um, way of life on the big screen and how how that can be empowering. It, it's substantial. Um, first and foremost, the only uh, karate kick in the film is done in jest. <laughs> yes. Um, 
partway into the film. And so it is a movie that is has been done before, really, when sure. it comes it's down a to rom-com. it. It's a rom-com. Uh, but it includes a whole cast of characters that from, inter- interestingly enough, I mean, if everyone feels like every normal character in every romantic comedy you've ever seen. Sure, absolutely. Which is great. There's the goofy cousins, there's the gay friend, there's the wild card guy, there's yeah. the... You know, the one shitty couple who's got drama, like it all fits types. Yes. And so that is an interesting kind of other follow up question, which is I don't know that it was necessarily difficult for this film to get made because it was an adaptation of a fairly successful book. There was money in it, obviously. They put a lot of money into this movie. It looks like a, a million bucks. It looks like a billion bucks, mm-hmm. to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but that it brought up the question, which is if. If these, if if we want to try and get more inclusive, as and when I say we, I'm talking about the movie industry. I'm talking about Hollywood and things like that. Um, and they make these films that are nothing but a, a, a Latino cast or nothing that are an Asian cast. Do these movies actually have to be of the highest quality? And the thing that I bring up is not to shit on Tyler Perry, but like look at half of Tyler Perry's movies. They're inclusive. They include a a wide, diverse cast of African-American actors and actresses, and they almost always make money. Part of that is because they're so cheap to make. But I I have to imagine another part of that is like, look, this is an opportunity like like as a white guy is fucking every movie. You know, like hey, right. another movie with a white guy in it. Now, right. as a chubby white guy, maybe not so much. I could use <laughs> a little more inclusion in the overweight department. But but I have to imagine that. It's less about like getting max critical praise and max boss box office and mostly about just making sure that this is a good, enjoyable movie. Would you say that that's kind of accurate? I would say that's close. I think one of the things that I really picked up on is that regardless of who you are, uh, crazy rich people are all the same. Like there are heavy religious overtones in these very rich families. It's true, it's a good point. Um, all of the all of the people, like you just said, mat, all, match all of these normal tropes in terms of how families are in mm-hmm. general. So regardless of how rich you are or how poor you are, everybody has similar stories, regardless of race. And I think that's one of the great things about this film is, regardless of the fact that it is an all Asian cast, it provides the same feelings. Sure, definitely, and. I mean, ultimately, that's what it's about. Like the if you're truly colorblind then this movie should be effective to you regardless of the color of your skin, but it is more effective to Asian people, particularly Asian Americans. Yes. Um, Cause that's really the audience that this is gunning for is those, those, those Chinese American folk who, who can actually relate to that cultural divide in a way that's probably closer to then, I don't know, maybe something that you lived. Right. Yeah. Um, it, it's just nice to have, people on the screen that aren't your normal just white faces that you see in every film absolutely and that so that was the big thing for me is like like okay for this when we went to the theater last night right uh that film that theater was almost packed yeah it was it was was a wednesday night it was packed and you could see that like most of that audience was asian right a lot of asian people a lot of women yeah um not to mention the fact that like there are certain parts in the film that received audible reactions from the audience that I didn't audibly react to. And that's a culture thing. Yeah. But what's nice is that it didn't ruin, like it doesn't ruin the movie for me. I understand a certain level of importance in regards to some of the things that happen in the film, but they don't nearly hit me as hard. But I think that's the point. Like the point is like, if we, if you can make them a, a good movie, 
it, it doesn't like we're all humans. Like we're all we all have the same feelings. We all have the same wants and desires. We all want to be yeah. loved. We all want to be successful. It doesn't matter what the color of our skin is. And as long as you can get that across, like the need of wanting to be accepted, the need of facing adversity, it doesn't matter wh- whose skin is whose whatever. Yeah. You know, it really doesn't matter. I think that this is a movie that can be enjoyed by all races, all genders, everything. It's got something for everybody in it. Now, again, that goes back to does that low – because I think a rom-com is – and I don't mean this is a bad way, but you and I were talking <laughs> about this after the movie. Yeah. But I th- personally think that when it comes to romantic comedies, that is a low bar in terms of difficulty. That is like a floor routine at the Olympics that's got a bunch of cartwheels. Like it might be they right. might be really good cartwheels, but it ain't gonna be the highest difficulty. Now with this movie, interestingly enough, even with the low difficulty, it's so easy to screw up. Think about it sure. like this. How easy would it have been to really screw up uh the family with Ken Jeong in it? Sure, um, and make them a full-blown parody. Right, they could have been a full-blown parody. In fact, they even make fun of it. This was a scene that you missed when you stepped out for a couple Ugh. of minutes. Um and they had an opportunity that and I thought they were going to make the mistake of making him this like super fobby, terrible dude that is just really painful to watch sure. and just like hitting that low hanging like, oh, this is fun and, and playfully racist. Right. Um, like old like Breakfast at Tiffany's, but, yes. not, but not Mickey Rooney racist. Exactly. <laughs> um, no. And, and what they did is they ended up that family just becomes this like focal point of like what grounds the entire audience, right. not just the Asian families. Exactly. Because, because I mean, as a rom-com, this rom-coms are most often they're like live action fairy tales. Right. Like I think with this movie, it's very much a live action fairy tale. You're talking about the, the princess from nothing meeting the, the, the prince who has everything and blah, blah, blah. Um, and the, you have to have, uh, the audience has to have a point of connection. They basically they have to have the baseline for how everything is is happening. So you know what things are good, what things are bad, what things are are weird. Um, because if you just have a whole movie full of rich people, how are you to judge what is weird and what is not? You know what is oh that's a rich person thing. You right. Know? Right. And so with that, this family. They act not only as a barometer for that, not only as as the as the baseline for like these are the quote unquote normal people, but but like you said, they they're not characteristics. Yeah, Ken Jeong's goofy in it, right? But he's goofy in like a sweet natured way, and like he loves his wife and he loves his family kind right. of way. And her best friend, played by Aquafina, same thing. Like she's she's funny, she's a comedic relief, yeah. Um, but not so much so that it's embarrassing yeah they weren't awful like this family was the comedic relief and i guess there was some playful racism but like that's asians <laughs> making fun of asians it's it's kind of it's a thing accept- that happens it's acceptable it's, it's acceptable i mean it happens unfortunately that's just the way of the world right um but for the most part it wasn't awful i didn't feel like i was watching something it didn't it didn't offend me Right. And I'm, I don't know, I'm fairly easily offended sometimes. Sure, sometimes. <laughs> um, and this, you know, and, and again, it's it's a really, it was just a good, like, we just had a good time at the movies. Um, it may, like, I don't do rom-coms that often. Right. It's just not part of, the, most of the time it's because they all seem the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are some things about this film that, that are certainly a lot similar to other rom-coms, but there are some things that set it apart as well. Uh, but I kind of sat back at the end and was like, 
man, are is this how all rom-coms are? Like, I kind of realized that, like, they exist as a sort of comfort food that is a combination of, of, of like, deep-fried goodness and cotton candy and drugs. Yeah. <laughs> Now, here's the thing. Not all rom-coms are created equal. Like, no. there are a lot of really bad ones. Yes. Um, and, and they follow the same thing. They aren't stunning in any measure. They're just filmed, and it fills you with warmth. Sure. This movie is different. This movie is built so beautifully in terms of the way that the scenes are set up and the right. way that the angle, like the, the angles in which things are shot at, everything is great. Nothing right. is overtly sexual. Everything is just beauty, beauty, beauty. Um, as far as like the way this movie made me feel from just like an appreciation standpoint, sure. the last time I felt like this in regards to the romantic comedy was Crazy Stupid Love, Okay, which in and of itself is a very different film, oh, but yes. it is a romantic comedy, but it's one that did it so right mm-hmm. that it would, that it's, it stands far and away as one of the best ever made. Sure. That's number one, bold statement, but I, I back you up on that. And number two, I, I, I agree with that in the sense that. It, it's just a feel-good movie. Um, it's it, As with all rom-coms, the stakes are relatively low. Right. You know, ultimately, in these rom-coms, the stakes are will they or won't they, right? That's the stakes. And every once in a while, you get, like, a, a deconstruction of that. Like, the breakup was, was a deconstruction of that, was they were already broken up, you right. know? And so that was a, a very odd, you know, rom-com tinged with sadness. This one... Mm-hmm. Really doesn't have that. It, it does have those those moments of like, oh no, they'll never get together now, or whatever it may be. But they're they're fleeting. Yeah, at no point in this movie did I ever feel that they wouldn't wind up together. No, like as far as predictability, this one is low hanging. Like it is right. so easy to predict how things go. Right, absolutely. Um, that being said, like I found, like I mean, I mean, if we were to break down the film just in terms of non spoilers. Um, starting with the characters, number one, almost every single character in this film is enjoyable. Even the people who aren't, would be considered, um, antagonists are, are enjoyable. Um, the, the family, the, like, I just really, and I just, there was something about just the relationships. Like they're just enjoyable. Like when, um, when they first get there, uh, when, when Rachel and Nick, First get over there and they meet his friends. I think it's his what was it, his cousin? His uh, cousin. Yeah, his cousin. No, and... not his cousin, I'm sorry. His um It's one of his friends. Yeah. The ones that are getting married. Right. Right? I think it's a cousin. Um it's a cousin or something. It's uh oh, it's his childhood best friend, excuse me. Okay. Colin. When they meet when they meet Colin and when they meet um uh our Araminta, I'm not. You know what? I'm not going to try names on this That's podcast. Okay. I'm not going to do it. Don't do it. Um, <laughs> but like, I under like, and they went and they got like street food and stuff like that. Like, right. Number one, I liked that because this is a crazy rich Asian movie, but it it also decides to show like, hey, look, there are other things in this beautiful land that that can be enjoyed by anybody. Well, like there was two things. Number one, when they the 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 fact that how they highlighted Singapore. What's Singapore? That's right. Number one, they come in and it's like, okay, so the food, they made a comment, this is the only place in the world where street stalls get Michelin stars. Yes. And you're like, oh, that's amazing. That's an amazing thing. Yes. An amazing, amazing thing. And then this like the skylines every time, like that beautiful building with that weird boat building yep. on top of the building, which yep. is cool. Um like collectively throughout the film, 
it just displays how beautiful this place actually is. Absolutely. It does a great way of doing that. And it does so in the characters as well, like them sitting down and, and getting the beers and, oh, you got to try this, this, yes. this. That is, I've done that with my friends. Right. Not in Singapore, but I've done that with my friends numerous times where we sit down, we get the beers, we shoot the shit, like we're just having a good time and then we break off into our own little conversations. So that was really, really relatable to me. Having the big family members come in, you know, there's always the crazy cousins. I mean, you go back to the, this is like the Asian version of Big Fat Greek Wedding, and Big Fat Greek <laughs> Wedding was like the Greek version of every rom-com ever. Right. Um, but like in that movie, you had the crazy family, you had the cousins, and in this one, same thing. Like you have the couple of cousins who come in, you have the one um, sister who's dealing with her own stuff, you have the, the, the matriarch, the mother of the group, and they all... They are all interesting. And they, even the characters that are supposed to be like shitty, like Bernard. F- Just great. enjoyable. Super enjoyable. Jimmy O. Yang comes in and plays Bernard as like this lunatic <laughs> party boy dressing like Hunter S. Thompson, walking around with a cane. <laughs> and I was just all about it. I was all about it whatsoever. So I, I really enjoyed the characters. I feel like from a character standpoint, the difference maker was Michelle Yeoh. Okay. Um, I mean, she definitely brought class to the picture. She brought class to the picture, but like Michelle can do so much with her face. Very much so. That when you sit down and watch a film and where she pulls people aside and her delivery method, it's just all fantastic. So from a from a character standpoint, the uh the mom, I mm-hmm. guess, not the mom, not not the matriarch of the family, but the mom. Eleanor. Oh, you're um, right, not the matriarch. Not the matriarch. Me plays this wonder like she is for all intents and purposes the villain of the film sure she's the the unrelenting mother stepmother uh, yeah. the, the unaccepting you know mother, yeah. mother-in-law yeah and she i mean for me uh like everybody did great but she acted her ass off she crushed did it did a great job she crushed it and, and the great thing about michelle yo is that you're right like it's all in her face like she can display happiness in a look Anger in a look, uh, disapproval in a look, yeah. sadness or disappointment yeah. in a look, and off and she goes through the whole gamut of these. And there are other times that I think she plays it specifically to her strengths, where you can't get a read on her, where Absolutely. what she's saying sounds nice, but you're not getting the emotion out of her face, and yeah. it's like, oh, this is interesting. Yeah, there's a couple lines where she delivers them with this just cold cold tone mm-hmm. and you're like whoa mm-hmm. that hurts to listen to there's a lot of really In good non-visual way. stuff here um that i really really enjoyed as the counter um rachel's mother uh is equally i think very exp- i mean listen michelle is a legend number one right um but rachel's mother is is equally expressive and has a completely different role to take obviously in the sense of of being from two different upbringings you know yeah um where michelle yo has to carry herself in this certain way with a certain steely demeanor and rachel's mother is is certainly more in tune with her emotions more comforting more american if you will well yeah the characters represent two very different ways that people are brought up and that's i mean it's it's counterculture really uh as far as like you have your traditional families and then you have families that have come to america under extenuating circumstances right and when it comes down to it we're all the same right we're all people Um, and that like that comparison between the two was a very fantastic thing because the the uh both the Prince Charming and Cinderella uh-huh. are uh, by themselves like 
this wonderful couple. Sure. Like they are so great together. The whole film, there is no at no point do I feel like oh they're ugly together or there's a conflict. Like right, like it's literally all person. Like there's never a point where Nick is shitty or Correct. Rachel is shitty. Like they're good people. They're good to each other. They're good for each other. Yeah. And then you have the only thing that's holding them back, of course, are their families. Right. Um, well, at least in one case, one family is holding them back. Right. And you have just, it's a new way of thinking. It's the whole, like, it's a lot of this movie overall. It's a strong female cast, as well as uh, getting out of this traditional, like, rut that Asians are traditionally in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a really just. Because there's a lot of, and I have, and again, I'm coming from somebody who doesn't have the the background in Asian social studies. Right. But I have to imagine it's it's what I got from the movie in that it's a very traditional submissive, not to say submissive, but like a patriarchal society. Like you put everything aside so that the husband can bring success to the family as, as a mother or as a daughter or whatever. There's just a lot of reservation in in like culturally speaking okay um you may want to say things but you don't say them because sure. respect respect it's just a lot of respect mm-hmm. uh growing up in an asian family sure where someone says one thing and it's like okay right and like uh there there is a there's a great line which we'll probably hit in the spoiler section later in the film um and it's it sums up asian culture okay all right. I like it. I like it. Um, and we already talked about the conflict a little bit of how the conflict is minimal. It's minimal, but it's effective. And we'll talk more about this in spoilers, but the movie does go through some some twists that I at least found somewhat interesting in terms of character development. Some characters uh, turn out to be a little bit different than what they seem. Some characters do things that you don't expect and, you know, for better or for worse, it has an effect on the plot. Um I also thought the movie was pretty funny. Like I ended up laughing quite a bit at a couple of the gags. Yeah. Um I it's hilarious. I, I loved the bachelor bachelorette scenes. Oh yeah, they were great. Um and I think a big part of that goes to the fact that they've written themselves into I mean, it's called crazy rich agent Asians can literally do whatever you want. Yeah. And they do. Oh yeah. Very very much so. Um, which kind of goes to the last thing that I wanted to talk about before we talk a little bit more about spoilers, but this film is really well made. Oh, oh, it's phenomenally made. Um, I mean, every scene, every camera angle, all the colors, the vibrancy of the film in and of itself right. is astonishing. It's, it's gorgeous. It's yeah. colorful. The art direction, the production design. Um, John Chu directed this movie, and John Chu is known mostly for um, Step Up. Um, but he's he did a bunch of the Step Up movies, but he also did G.I. Joe Retaliation. He did, if I'm not mistaken, the second Now You See Me. Like, this guy is known for applying a certain visual flair. He's a little bit more visual than your typical journeyman director. Um, and you kind of have to when you're doing some of those dance, <laughs> some of those Step Up movies. <laughs> yeah. He's also done a lot of, um, he, his background was in, um, um, as with most filmmakers, his background was in music video and music. And so he like did yeah. Justin Bieber's um, concert movie and things like that. But those that's where that visual flair comes in. And boy, does he really bring a v- visual flair to this movie that is just, again, like it's light, it's sunny, it's cheerful. Um, but at the same time, it's it's a gorgeous rep. I have to imagine, at least when I was looking at it, I was like, man... They make Singapore look like the greatest place in the world. It, they really did. But more and something that I'm surprised is not 
something that we haven't brought up yet is that it's a good thing that he did all of these wonderful like uh, drumming movies and dancing movies and right. whatnot because the music of this film was a sheer surprise and a beautiful thing. The music in this film is really great. So I like I'm a I'm a guy who loves movie scores and Brian Tyler did the music um, for this film and Brian Tyler is one of I think my favorite sort of under the radar composers um, and it's really because he's done stuff that is. Man, it's a little bit more non-traditional. Like, he really started with things like, oh, man. Um, he started with some horror movies. He started with, uh, I think, what was his first big one? He did some Fast and Furious stuff. But then he did Eagle Eye, which was a really good score. And then he did Battle Los Angeles, which was a really good score. And then he did, in 2013, he did three scores that are a couple of my favorites. He did Iron Man 3, he did Now You See Me, and he did Thor The Dark World, which are all great themes, like solid themes, really good compositions. And he's done some other stuff. He's he's still dabbled in the Fast and Furious franchise. He's dabbled in Now You See Me. Does he have a relationship with uh, Sylvester Stallone? He has to, because he <laughs> goes all the way back to The Expendables. Uh, escape um, Room. And he's been doing a yeah. lot of Stallone work. Like, he did the score for Power Rangers, which was a, a pretty decent score. Um... But doing this, he gets to do a, something a little bit different because all those scores that I listed were action scores and things like that. And this one, he just, it's a high quality, like, love theme. And you yeah. don't get that a lot, number one. Number two, he really embraces a lot of big band and a lot of jazz and swing. And there are a couple of tracks that are just like, do, 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 like they're. They're, they're things you can dance to. Now, me being the movie pleb that I am, I tend to not pay attention to music, a little more so now that I talk to you sure. most of the time. <laughs> um, but this movie, it stood out. Yes. Uh, watching scenes, you can hear it come alive. Now, there are, of course, the obvious like pop songs that have been re-sung um, in Chinese, and, it's, and those are beautiful, of yeah. course. But the score, the way it like envelops a scene mm -hmm. is just so well put. There are a lot of really good musical moments in this film where there are montages or the wedding itself that happens. Cause this is all around the, this is all around a, uh, his friends, his childhood friends wedding. Like yeah, that's the whole that's reason they go there. That's the big excuse, but the wedding is gorgeous. We'll talk about it more. Um, and I think that that's important. I think it's important that you can put this amount of effort into a, low-level difficulty film, if you will, yeah, and still make it amazing. Like, there are no explosions. There's no, no choreographed action scenes. None. I don't know how much CGI is involved. Probably more than you would think. Most likely. Um, But there are... It's just quality all the way through. It's well-directed. It's well-acted. It does... It, it, it Listen, it's not going to win any awards. Like, no. this isn't going to make you think deeper about your relationship with your family or anything like that. It's not going to, like, cause some great revelation. And it doesn't... De like, <laughs> I had commented to you, the fucking previews before the film, <laughs> the two-minute previews were heavier and more dramatic than anything in this film. Oh, absolutely. There's nothing in this film that you're just like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm going to tear, tear my hair out or I'm an emotionally a wreck. Right. But there are some moments that are sweet enough to make you tear up. And... That's what rom-coms do. They just they go to grab you and they tug at your heartstrings. And uh, the the great part 
about it, the filmmaking experience or the watching of this at least, is that there's so much family involvement. Yes. Which is very massive. strong family film. Yeah. And that's something I think is universal. You know, I think yeah. you, you watch all these films and the one thing like you watch about like whether it's a predominantly Asian film or a predominantly African-American film or, or, or a, a, a Latino film or even white people, family is important, you know? Yeah. That's something that we can all relate to. So um, let's give it a popcorn rating before we get into spoilers. Now, as be, be, for those of you who've never listened, if you've never listened, we have five popcorn ratings here at the Popcorn Diet. We have burnt popcorn, which is garbage. Watch at your own risk. We have stale popcorn, which is like if you have to red box it or watch it on Netflix, like you, you could do worse. We have microwave popcorn, which is kind of like, listen, do whatever you want. It's fine. You can go see it in the theaters. You could wait for a rental whatever you're just don't like spend a thousand dollars on or whatever we have movie theater popcorn which is like you should probably go see this in the theaters and then we have perfect popcorn which is top of the top go see this as fast and soon as possible so where do you put this on a popcorn diet rating system if i had to put this on a popcorn diet rating system i would measure this somewhere between four and five okay top of the pop or go see it in theaters okay um just because this is a movie that i could imagine just having on sure every day sure and i wouldn't feel like mad about it i'd feel totally neutral and if i sat down and watched it i love this part definitely i i definitely put it at the four popcorns i put it at movie theater popcorn i think if you're into rom-coms, you will love this one. It's fantastic. Yes. Not everybody is into rom-coms. Not everybody is into the light and fluffy entertainment. And that's fine. That's totally fine. If Don't go into this movie expecting giant big revelations. <laughs> this movie exists for a few reasons. Number one, it's to give us, give an all-Asian cast something respectable to do that isn't kung fu. And number two, mm-hmm. it's to make you feel good. You know, yeah. that's the exact, like, you don't. You don't bitch that a corn dog isn't a five star corn dog. It's corn dog. It's delicious. It's always going to be good. Yeah, it, this is just that. This is one of those corn dogs that you get, and you're just like, "Fuck, that was a great corn it's dog." It's a Disneyland corn dog. <laughs> this is a Disneyland corn dog for sure. Well, excellent. Well, before we get into spoilers, I always want to take the time to remind you that you can get this podcast for free, subscribe to you, delivered to you every week, wherever you listen, by subscribing to the Popcorn Diet, whether it be Apple Podcast. Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, tune in wherever you listen to podcasts. You can subscribe. Do us a favor, like us, give us five stars, write us a quick rating. We really, really appreciate it. Also, we want you to be part of the community. We want you to follow us on our social media posts on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram at The Popcorn Diet, where we're always putting updates on our new articles, uh, our new episodes, all the different. I mean, you follow our Twitter account, you fo- you see all the different movie news that we're, we're retweeting and things like that's really fun. And then last but certainly not least, you go to our website, popcorndietpodcast.com, find all of our latest reviews, all of our episodes right there, easy, free, check it out. And, and now that I've been in the in two episodes, yes. we, we can qualify this as racially diverse. This is. We're going to go back and I'm going to tag. I'm gonna, <laughs> we are racially diverse, definitely. I'm going to go back and I'm going to tag these as like <laughs> as like a racially diverse episode. <laughs> <laughs> these episodes will be tagged with diversity. Uh, um, so I don't, I mean, this isn't going to be that long. I don't intend, intend for this to be that long of a podcast. Um, but 
Uh, did want to get into some of the spoiler thoughts here. Now, I know you had written something down. Sure. But I wanted to talk first and foremost about the, the twists that occur. And again, I don't even know if that's the right word <laughs> to call it. Because it ain't like a I Shyamalan call twist. A twist. But I found it to be a twist because of the way that they set up, particularly the relationship between the mother and the grandmother. Um, and how... Um, when Rachel comes and meets the grandmother, she's like, oh, it's Mima. It's this sweet, adorable little old grandmother. And, oh, she taught him how to, you know, use dumplings and, oh, family. And then Michelle Yeoh's character, Eleanor, is kind of this frigid bitch in comparison, right? Right. Until you find out, like, Eleanor has that conversation with Rachel about how she was not the first choice. Like, she, yeah. Yeah, I was not the third or the fourth choice. And that's when you start realizing, wait... Is Mima a bitch? Like, <laughs> is, is Mima terrible? And then at the wedding, when they pull the private investigator shit, and the old oh grandma's like, you lied, like, you get out, blah, 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 you bring dishonor, whatever. I was like, oh shit. Like, now that news, I would say that the news was probably the uh, the news of this actual reality of sure. her reality of her uh, mom leaving the country because she got pregnant by somebody else. Right. Um, That's. A spoiler. Sure. Yeah. Well, that's what like, we're talking. Like so. that was the shock. Right. Um, but the 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 awe um from that, I would suppose, is that there wasn't any, honestly, because um gram Asian grandmas tend to be pretty straight up. Okay, so that um, and that's interesting. There's because... a lot of traditional value there. Okay. So I and, and I think because of the fact that the um because she was so traditional and because that family was so traditional, mm -hmm. that reaction to me wasn't all that shocking. Really? So that's and see, that's what makes the cultural um that's what makes the cultural differences so fascinating to me. Be I mean, and listen, so my grandma was kind of a hard ass too. Like <laughs> make no display the or make no mistake, the, the the grandmas, usually our grandmas have been, you know, they've been through some shit. You know, they had to grow yeah. up. In the 20s and the 30s, and they've been through <laughs> yeah. a, a fucking war right. and things. So, like, odds are they're a little bit harder than usual. But but I, I, I at least, at least that's what I took from it, is that the the film did try to paint it as, like, this, this loving older grandma who is actually just as frigid, you know, in tradition, if you will, um, than that Eleanor was. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I just, I just thought that was really good. I thought that was a really good way of introducing a um, a dramatic moment or a conflict that still bared a lot of truth in um, the culture. Right. You know? And, and what it did more than that, I feel, is that it gave umbrage to Eleanor in a sense. Right. Um, because, in the, because she wasn't... She she's as mired in tradition as grandma is, right? When it comes down to it, absolutely. Um, and because of that, we got Eleanor gets to get shown in this beautiful light that she's not just a cold hard bitch, right? She's just doing what it is culturally acceptable to be because everyone is super accepting in this film, except for like the awful bridesmaids, right? The bride, oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, so like the the bridesmaids were terrible, and. Uh, and but everyone for the most part is painted in this light, like oh, this person is pretty cool. This person is pretty cool. Sure. But all, there's you, this whole negative light on Michelle Yeoh throughout the whole film, right? Um, and then this happens, which allows to set for Eleanor coming in and being just like, look, 
I came to an understanding. Right. And I actually thought that the conversation with her on the stairwell, which is played in the... It was really good, but it also kind of showed... It showed... I think in 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 the previews, like, it played off as more of like a... She's like, you'll never be good enough. Right. To me, it came off as more of a warning. Like, to me, it came as more of a, like, a, listen, I went to college. I wasn't the first choice. I wasn't the third choice. I've had to live under fucking Mima's thumb for all of these years. I've never been good enough for her. You'll never be good enough in this family. Get out. Was that part in the preview? That, that particular phrase of, like, you will never be enough for him or whatever, that was definitely in the preview. I'm so happy I didn't see any of the previews then um, because that I would have known it was coming. Yeah. I had, had no idea what was coming right there. I'm like, is this going to be a heart-to-heart? What kind of conversation is right. this going to be? Is she going to try to buy her out? Like, what's going to happen? Right. And so I found that interesting because, like, it, it, you could look at it from a couple of ways. As you could look at it as the I don't like you and you're not good for my son. But I kind of – I took it a, little, a halfway that, you know. I took it yeah. halfway of, like – Listen, my son is supposed to be the heir to this fortune, and you're not going to get in the way of that. Right. But at the same time, I saw it as a, I used to be you, and I'm not living my happiest life. I had to give up a lot of shit for this, and you need to be prepared for that. Like, And I found that interesting. Yeah, to me, it was just more like of the, the cultures clashing. Yeah, uh, because she grew up as an American. The East, or East yeah. versus West. East versus West in terms of – and it, it just comes down to the whole like – uh, the story process and the fact that like we need to move forward and that we can't be mired in tradition for the rest of our lives. Right. Um, and I think it just kind of comes back to that because as much as we want to say that everybody follows one matriarch or one patriarch or whatever it is, right. Um, we all need to kind of look forward and just keep walking. Absolutely. And deal with it. Deal with it. Yeah, for sure. Um, so that was one thing that I particularly liked about it. Did you have any other, you know, favorite parts? Anything? I, I mean, I have a few, obviously, yeah. but did you have? I want to give you time to throw out some of your favorite things as well. Uh, one of my favorite parts was the beginning and the end of the film. Okay. So the beginning, not uh, number one. The first scene is wonderful. The hotel scene. The hotel scene where Michelle Yeoh walks up with her kids and right. like her nanny or whoever she is. Right. Um, and goes into this swanky hotel in London, mm-hmm. and it's 1995, and you, I'll, I'll let you know now, <laughs> the British are f- super racist against the Chinese. Is Just, this, so is that a thing? It is very, it is a thing. Okay. Because, um, again, and, and being in Arizona, there's not a gigantic Asian community here, and so to me, I was like, why are these people being so shitty? But I right. guess... It's a thing. I don't know. So. Um, they're a little closer out there. So there's a, there, it's, it's, yeah. Um, anyway, so they go up to the swanky hotel and then she pulls one over on him, really just defining this character, Michelle Yeoh, as this cold, yeah. hard bitch. And I loved it. Like, I'm going to put family out of everything. Absolutely. Guess what? We're buying this hotel. Yes. And that was so great. Yeah, I did um, that. But going off of that, the gambling scene in the very beginning that introduces Rachel as this hot shot. Uh, professor of economics right at and nyu she, nonetheless right so she's like oh this 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 chick is crazy smart and she's playing this poker game which is god what was it it was like the theory of it, it was something very specific about how when you try to win like you give up all reason or yeah something like that it, it's like, all yeah it's all about like pulling one over on somebody even though that there's nothing to pull like over you're on. not playing to, like 
like he was like you don't play to win you're playing not to lose and that's what people most people make the mistake of correct so yeah it starts out with the poker yeah and i didn't make this connection which then mirrors the very end of the movie or at least almost the very end when she's sitting down and playing mahjong with eleanor and in the end she is talking to eleanor and uh has since declined the marriage proposal from Prince Charming. Right. Um, and is explaining to her why she did it and then gives up the, uh, the tile yeah. that would have, that gives Eleanor the win. Uh-huh. Um, and then continues to talk and then drops her tiles showing that she had already won. Right. Um, Fucking dope. Yeah, which was like mic dropping. And it's just like, oh, she wasn't playing not to lose. She was playing to be a good human. Right. And displaying that, look, I get it. And that I am super worthy of this. And it all, it's hunky dory in the end. But like those two scenes, the way that they worked out was really well. They played out really well. I love the whole thing. It's like, remember that when you do, if you do ever find a woman for her, for him, that all of this will be possible because I allowed it or whatever. Cause, cause Nick would have left you. I love how she was like, Nick was willing to never see you again. Right. That's, that's a, Deep cut. Yes. <laughs> like, and uh let's not let's not forget about the uh the horrible girl that one of the one of his cousins or brothers is dating. Um, um the movie star the one? movie star girl Kitty, who, Kitty Pong? <laughs> Kitty Pong. I love Kitty Pong. She I mean she was super funny in the film, but I think that's like it's a it was also served as a reminder, like that's who he could wind up with. Right. He could time. wind up with someone like that, or like Amanda, who was the um, was the lawyer who was just like again uh, and again i think it needs to be said everybody in this movie is gorgeous oh beautiful all the women are beautiful all the men are not only gorgeous but also like mostly shirtless and i respect that because i'm an equal opportunity um what's the word i'm looking for equal opportunity sexualizer right sure so like listen i love women i love it but you can recognize what a man is attracted. i get it that's fine i get it for every bikini beans coffee there should be a banana hammock smoothie place <laughs> i firmly believe this right and so, like, so, but I also, again, like, I loved, like, how she was so shitty. And then Rachel's just like, you're in my way. I was like, oh, damn. It was so good. Like, no fear. Or even how Bernard and Kitty Pong wound up getting together, which is so the appropriate. The best. So appropriate. <laughs> um, really enjoyed that. I do also want to talk about what might be the greatest cinematic wedding I maybe have ever seen. Like the jaw dropping. The ceremony itself, because there's been so many weddings in films. Right. And this is where I think John Chu really brought his theatrical stage um, uh, choreography to the forefront because the wedding in this film costs like 40, they say it costs like $40 million. 40 million, or, yes. Boy, does it look it. Like, oh my God. The. I don't even know how to describe it. The, the 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 church is full to make it look like marshes. Right. So all of the pews have like long grass on them. Yeah. Um the whole front of the church is made to look like this dark rock. Um I don't even know how to describe it. Like so just it's, tropical it's this, setting. It's a beautiful like uh jungle, like what would be a forest glen, but in the jungle. Yes. It's, it's really because it's Singapore. It's right. the jungle. Exactly. Um so Which you, you have, know I love my tropical shit. Yes. Like, so everything is vine and reeds. It doesn't look like a church when you go into no. it. Um, they and, have the lights, the lanterns. Yeah. So you have this. You have the the light is green and blue and dark. Uh-huh. Um, but then 
Now, here's the thing. This was, and I'm not a big wedding guy, this was breathtaking the way it was produced. Yes. So first and foremost, the water starts coming in. I literally said (laughs) out loud, bullshit. Yeah. and Oh, my God. In the theater, because you have the, what's it called? The aisle. Right. Right. Walking down the aisle, and the the kids walk down, and they throw the lilies down and stuff, and then somebody turns on the faucet, and it just slowly fills up with like a flowing water. Yeah, and then you see, um, and she comes in, so the the bride comes in. Bride instead of wearing big expensive white shoes, is barefoot. She's barefoot, and her legs are covered in like this gold glitter or something, mm-hmm. um, and that takes place of the shoes. And I'm looking at that, I'm like this. Is beautiful. Like, here's the thing. Out of control. I'm, I'm not a big fan of Asian girls, and I hate feet. But that was gorgeous. <laughs> it was beautiful to see. And she walks up, and then she's walking down the aisle, and like no one cares about their dresses getting wet. No one's making a fuss nope. about their Although shoes. Although I did think about that. I was, I was like, I mean, same thought in my head. It's like that dress is getting wet right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. But then they have the the. Um, the little reeds. sticks. The reeds. They have the reeds, but they're not reeds. They're little sticks with glowing fireflies hanging off of them. Yeah, so everybody in the aisle has one um, at the very end of the aisle. That you said reed, excuse it. me. Yeah. yeah. And and they and everybody hangs it and puts it up, like, and that it becomes the terrace that she walks through. And then you have the low lights along with the, the what would be quote-unquote bugs mm-hmm. connected to the reeds. And she's walking through this water, and then the music kicks on. The, I can't help falling in love with you, but it's oh in, like, my. Cantonese yes. or, or Mandarin. Yes, and it was just gorgeous. Acoustic? Like, get, uh. like listen, I, I am no giant fan of marriage, okay? But... If I had a wedding. But damn. <laughs> it did it. did it. Yeah. Right? And that's just part of what I think makes... Again, they're working with they're 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 cooking with gasoline here because of the nature of the family because it's about crazy rich Asians. You can put together this fairy tale image, yeah, and it literally is a fairy tale. It's if Rachel's the Cinderella, then uh, Nick is the Prince Charming, um, and the movie ends. And I love the finale because it was just like all in on this. Now, before we get to the finale, okay, there's one more scene I want to talk. All right, about. let's talk about it. Dumpling scene. The making of the dumplings? The making of okay. the dumplings. Because this is where we learn Eleanor's past. Yes. And this is where we learn that the ring she wears as her, uh, this beautiful jade ring, mm-hmm. I believe, or an emerald, this beautiful emerald ring, massive emerald, Yeah, um, is uh, more of a, it's a ring of shame because grandma wouldn't give the ring, the family ring, to her son to propose to her so he had it made. Right. So even though this is her happy wedding ring, this is not, it is in and of itself a ring of shame. And you see it when Rachel asks Eleanor about, hey, that's a beautiful ring. Right. What, what, like, tell me about it. And then you see all like the ants and whatnot all kind of like, ooh, start side eyeing. And, and you, then even the grandma comes in and starts shit talking her dumpling method. Like straight up to her face. And, and I was just like, damn. Yeah. Like the grandma is kind of shitty and it's like not even kind of. It's just, just like shitty. Shitty. <laughs> and then at the end, because he does propose to her and you see the ring that he bought. But then at the end, when he gets on the plane and you do the typical like, don't go. I got to chase after you. This shit happens in every rom-com. Right. Um, And they do it on the plane. And when he gets down on the end, opens it up and it's the emerald. People in our audience gasped. audibly gasped. gasped. <laughs> and that's just such a good play. Like it's just it's just good 
well it's not i wouldn't call it good storytelling but it's well done storytelling yeah even that one that was the one thing in that movie that caught me entirely by surprise because he already had a ring of course. right um and of course like he went and spoke with with eleanor about it and got, a, got right. all that but i didn't see that coming that's the one thing i didn't see coming and i was it, just like and oh. it symbolized so much more it symbolized not only the, the 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 i want you in my life but it also symbolized that like eleanor and the family like we accept you Right. And like, that's, come that's, be a that's part more. of this family. That's more than anything. They, they accept their relationship. They accept their way of life, period. Right, right. And, and that's big. Which then leads to the finale, which is a, just a big party. Oh, right? my God. They walk into the big party, and there's, there's, everything is happening. There are synchronized dancers in a pool. Fucking, I don't know why. Now, but, just just imagine are. that. Just imagine that. You're hanging out with your friends. Right. All you guys are a synchronized dive team or a swim team. Right. And then somebody just rich in a suit walks up to the pool as you guys are practicing and says, ladies, I am uh, here to hire you for a party for tonight. For a party. To do what? To do your routine. To do your routine for the next seven hours. Like, what? <laughs> That's how rich people spend their money? By, by renting synchronized swimming teams? Fireworks everywhere huge music everywhere and then it pans back and it shows us on the top of that of super that super cool building gigantic building with the gigantic boat like structure on top and there's literally fireworks shooting off of the sides and it's like this party alone is millions of dollars yeah it was and oh my god i would love to have been there and there's some great ex- i mean like the, that ending is great there are some great examples of throwing money around like bernard with the goddamn rocket launcher on the boat <laughs> which is one, oh my god which is 100 something i would do if i had bernard's money i would have a boat and a rocket launcher yeah no question or like the shopping spree with the women and things like the wedding, like there's some. I mean, it's called Crazy Rich Asians, and by God, so to set they the really scene, lean into it to set the scene for both bachelor party and bachelorette parties. Number one, the bachelor party takes place on a shipping freighter, where they get there and it's they an, helicopter in. They helicopter in, and it's an MTV style spring break happening from like you know the early 2000s happening there on this boat and you're just like whoa this is amazing because here's the crazy thing about it it's full of white people it's true a lot of white people the whole like the whole supporting cast were all white people. all of the all of the the they had like the miss denmark and stuff yeah all like american european countries yeah it was really interesting also i would not to interrupt but i would venture to say that actually partying on that vessel amongst all that metal would not be remotely fun. Oh, no. It would be hot as shit. Can you imagine the tetanus? It would be so hot and <laughs> dirty and gross. And unless I didn't notice, but maybe they had a pool set up there. If so, fine. Right. Acceptable. Right. But other than that, like, and then what I really liked is they ended up getting off the island, hijacking one of the helicopters, and then just chilling on the islands on this, like, log raft. There was the one unbelievable moment of the film where even the guy next to me to my left was just like, please. They showed the helicopter had landed onto this on tiny like rock. rock. <laughs> on this rock outcropping. Like somebody just rotoed in this helicopter in post-production. Yeah. Um, that being said, I thought that that was a really good kind of representation of, of like the styles of bachelor parties that I would be into. Like right. gigantic, massive women everywhere party. And then like just chilling with my bro with a beer on lounge chairs in the middle of paradise. Yeah, no, and awesome. And it was great. And then we have the mirror of that 
where we get into the bachelorette scene where right. Auntie rented the island for the weekend, yes. number one. A whole island. And filled it with shops for these people to for these for all these women to have this like shopping spree. Yeah. Where there it gets real ugly real quick there, of course. Of course. Um, but like you look get just get a, a quick glance at the hotel rooms there and you're just like, whoa. It's insane. It's, it's this is gorgeous. It's absolutely insane. Um and they're really, really highlighting the crazy rich Asians. And I think this one of this thing, one of these things that leads to a uh something that we've actually overlooked as far as like storytelling is the his his best girlfriend growing up uh sorry Astrid Astrid is so, it his best girlfriend or his sister uh Astrid Astrid Oh I think it's his sister cousin excuse me Oh cousin okay cool Yes Anyway they grew up in grandma's house together um and she's like the will eventually become the matriarch of the family because of her image overall and she's going through the hardest time of her life currently Right she's it's super interesting because even her husband, who discovered is having an affair, isn't played like a total dick bag. Yeah, like I mean, he is obviously he took the the easy way out. Right. Um, he's a coward. He's a coward. Yeah, you made the coward move. Yeah. Um, but that being said, like, I can't imagine how, like he. So it was it was an interesting example of like something that Eleanor would have to go through versus something that him Michael had to go through in the sense that they were the unwanted spouses. Right. Right. And you can either sack up and push forward and do what you need to do like Eleanor did or you can be a little bitch about it, which is essentially what Michael did. Um a super fascinating. Yeah. Uh, it, it highlighted the one thing that we haven't like really embellished is that the strong female characters. Yeah. This film is nothing but strong female characters. The patriarch of the family Off is on business. never in the film. Off on business at any somewhere. Point. Um, all the dudes in this movie are all just eye candy. They, uh, all eye candy. Most of them are are kind of dumb and jokey. Like Nick is a good dude, yeah. eye candy. And his buddy Colin, good dude, likewise. Right. Like, yeah. Just good looking people. Yep. That they fill certain roles. Like Bernard, I mean, as fun as a character as he was, he was about an inch deep. Right. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yes. The uh, crazy former guy, classmate. Yeah. And guy. there was like the shitty guy who made fun of her boobs. Right. And and they just have collectively just a bunch of shitty characters and good characters that all, that all have no depth to them. And right. that's all the males in this film. Yeah. They're all archetypes. They're all, um, they all are there to fill a very specific type. Yeah, so you know? it, there's a lot of female empowerment about this film, which I thought was a great highlight um, on top of the family values. Definitely, man, definitely. Um, well, I think that just about does it. I uh, I enjoyed this film. Really yeah. did. No, it was it was a great time. I'm glad I'm glad we went and saw this rom com together. Yeah, it was a it was a genuinely <laughs> wonderful experience. It was. I'm glad I did it. I'm glad I did it. Um, so Jeremy, as always, you you don't do you have anything you need want to plug? Need to plug? Are you doing anything interesting? I don't I don't think you do. But if you no, I have nothing to plug. I am I am just I'm just me. And I'm happy to be here. Absolutely. We're happy to have you as well. Well, that's going to do it for Crazy Rich Asians. Um, as I said before, you can subscribe to this podcast for free wherever you are listening. Do us a favor. Like us. Give us a little rating. Uh, give us a subscription. Write a review. Follow us on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, at The Popcorn Diet. And as always, go to our official website, popcorndietpodcast.com, for all of our latest reviews, latest episodes, and all the other cool stuff that we're doing. But for... Our very special guest co-host, guest good movie buddy, Jeremy Nakano. 
I am your very best good movie buddy, Rick Williamson, and we'll see you next time with another good movie on the Popcorn Diet. Bye. Adios.